Friday, a podcast series devoted to the various fandoms brought to you by the Ocean County Library's annual all-ages library con, Fan Nation, the Geek Extravaganza. My name is Sarah, and I'm from Tom's River, and joining me today is Hope and Kristen, both from Tom's River as well. For today's episode, we'll be discussing all things fantasy. To start off, I just want to ask you guys, what fantasy title got you into the fantasy genre? Uh, I guess I'll start. Um, so, I'm Hope. Um, probably the Chronicles of Narnia when I was a kid. I know it's what gets a lot of people into the fantasy genre. Um, my older brother got the giant omnibus collection and... I was a little too young for it, but my mom would start reading it to me like a chapter a night. So I really got into it to the point where we didn't do it like every night. So by the time we got towards the end, I was a little too old to be read to, but I still wanted her to read it to me. So that was how I got into it. And it was fun, especially like the last uh, book where like to see my mom as she's reading it, I think she forgot some of the stuff, but like her expression towards the end, like everything's happening and you know, shocking things and her face was something I still remember. <laughs> so that's probably what got me into it. What about you, Kristen? For me, probably the first big fantasy title I remember reading was the first Harry Potter. We read it in English class in fourth or fifth grade, I forget which one, but it was what the class read together so the teacher read it to us for about halfway through, and then she gave up because she was getting, it was too hard for her to read some of the names, and she switched to the audiobook, and that is how the entire class learned to pronounce Hermione, which we were saying Hermoine for months. But yeah, I think I really liked doing that with my class because we all discussed things together and had theories, um, what we thought was going to happen, and I'll never forget my teacher left the room during the reveal of who the bad guy was and she came back in and was like what do you mean it's quarrel sorry if you haven't read that spoiler (laughs) that was a memory i think i'll never actually forget was her just being surprised about who the bad guy was (laughs) yeah i think my first exposure to fantasy was probably very much like yours hope where my parents were very much into the lord of the rings and i think that i was probably too young to be listening to lord of the rings but they decided to read it to me as a bedtime story anyway because i think it's what they wanted to read so um i remember struggling i think a bit to follow the plot but i plotted along and i got very much into it and i think things just expanded outward from there you could have at least started with the hobbit that would have been a little bit more age appropriate Lord of the Rings, like dark. They're like, we're yeah. going right into it. Yeah, exactly. It's just Tom Bombadil. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Bombadil. Oh my gosh, he's, I remember him. He's my man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people who've only seen the movies are missing out. Yes. And I also remember, I think I did have the Omnibus Narnia thing as well when I was growing up. But the white books or whatever, and they had like these little. Said I just read Narnia during the pandemic. Like that really? was my one of my pandemic reads. But I listened to all the audiobooks of Narnia, and I went on very long walks around nice. my neighborhood because there was nowhere to go. Nice, yeah. Gosh, I don't remember what my pandemic read was. I read a lot. I, know. <laughs> I, I read the Witcher series or a Dune. I read so many things. Oh so. wow. Well, we're speaking up. We were just mentioning all of these different series. So that really like just really well leads into this, which was a lot of fantasy titles are parts of series. Literally everything I think we've mentioned so far <laughs> are parts of series. And I probably most of my favorites are parts of series, but does somebody have like a standalone fantasy that they want to share 
Um, if somebody's like, hey, I really don't want to dive into like a three book, four book whole thing. What's like just one book that's like, this is solid. Oh, that's such a hard question because I do feel like <laughs> everything I've ever read has somehow been like, well, now there's six more. Exactly. Even if it didn't start that way, they're mm-hmm. like, we wrote, we wrote 10 more books mm-hmm. after it. So for me, I, I really also struggle with this question because so many things that I thought were going to be singular wound up being part of a duology. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, you're killing me here. So ones that I could think of, I read... The House in the Cerulean State by T.J. Klune, um, oh. which is one of my favorites because it's just like a really heartwarming, cozy fantasy. I think it's like the definition of a cozy fantasy, and you'll just walk away feeling so warm and uplifted, and that definitely is a standalone. And another one that I think is a standalone, but they kind of hinted that it might be more. So, like, this is what you're talking about, where you think it's going to be one, and then, surprise, there's six more. But I just finished The Adventures of Amina Al-Sarafi, and uh, that was a really, really fantastic read that I love that came out this year. And that's basically about a mother who used to be a wild pirate adventurer who gets dragged back in for... She's tried to settle down since then, but she gets dragged back in for one more trip. And she's very relatable as a woman that's, you know, maybe not in like her young 20s, as many fantasy women are. And she she struggles with, you know, missing her daughter and her knees hurt and she's too old for any of this nonsense. But it's still a fun adventure. I must say, I could not think of any standalone fantasy books that I've read. Um, I feel like some books like can be standalone, like sometimes, especially if it's a sequel that takes place years later, like Dune, for instance, I just listened to the first one because I heard it gets strange later on, and I liked it so much, and I know some people call it sci-fi, but it's a fantasy disguised as a sci-fi, but that one I really enjoyed because it it ended on a, a high note, and other than the, the fact that he thinks he can have a wife and a mistress that I was not comfortable with. But, you know, when you're, when all, you're an emperor. It's all political. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> so. Two wives is a treat. Well, you mentioned Brandon Sanderson. Have you read, I think his most recent one's a standalone, right? The Trust of the Emerald. Oh, I did read that. Yeah. Yes, that one is good, yes. So yeah. thank you for reminding me. That is a good example. Yeah, I haven't read it yet, but. It's Kind of based off of the, um, the Princess Bride, yes. What if instead of Buttercup staying at home and mourning the fact that Wesley got, got presumably killed by pirates, what if she went looking for him? And so it starts with Tress. Her boyfriend is kidnapped by an evil sorceress, and even though Tress has never left her island, she's going to go looking for him. And there's like, pirates, and I love Brandon Sanderson because he – such a rich imagination. Like, it wasn't an ocean. It was, like, these weird, like, plant ocean where if these seeds got wet, it would, like, explode and, like, skewer the ship. So when, like, storms came, it was, like, a nightmare. That sounds like a lot of fun. I do recommend that. What about, I don't think, did you answer this question? Well, I mean, I was thinking it was hard because I feel like a lot of them are like, yeah, there's like another book when you don't expect it to be. Like, maybe yeah. think of, like, is oh, Caravelle standalone? No, Caravelle is like a, there's like two more. Oh. And, <laughs> the Hollow Kingdom, which probably no one has heard of because I read it in like middle school or high school, I think middle school, was a book where a girl has to marry like a 
the troll king and just live underground with him. And I think like there was like a sequel later. But now talking about it, I'm like, this is just Beauty and the Beast again, which <laughs> I greatly enjoy. So I get why I liked it. And I remember really liking that. But, you know, I haven't read it in like 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Or the Hazelwood I just read. And there's also another book where there's like a second book, but there didn't really need to be. Like the first book ended and you could just be like, uh, like a girl and her mom and they're always running away from their bad luck. And so her grandma wrote this book that was like published very, not for, you know, for only a little bit. And it was all these like fairy tales called Tell from the Hinderland. Mm-hmm. And people from the book start coming into real life and it's like, fairy tales the way they kind of orbit the are so they're really dark and people get murdered and stuff and like I love things that come to life like from stories like in stories like that's like my favorite my thing. only thing was I feel like there was a lot of her in New York before we got okay. to like fairy tale stuff starts happening yeah. like I was like this is a lot of hanging out in New York City before yeah. some weird stuff starts happening yeah, let's get to the fun stuff come on we know yeah. where we're going yeah um, I did like it, but there's a second one, so I'm like, oh, I guess this is a series, no. too. Oh, you know, and like, that's like I Light Lark, which is going to be a series right now. Mm-hmm. It's standalone. True. So right now, the second one hasn't come out yet. No, so. yeah, so technically standalone. <laughs> I read that because TikTok was like, it's the best and worst book ever. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I can't wait. I thought it was fine. <laughs> you know it's good when people aren't like, eh. When people are like, it was amazing, or people are like, it was terrible, then you know, you're going to fall in one of those two camps, but you will have feelings. I feel like it's hard because everyone, like, on TikTok has either read no books or read, like, a million books, you know, and I'm Mm -hmm. just like, I feel like because we were here, I rate things much more forgivingly because I'm a 34-year-old woman, so I'm never like, wow, this is not an original YA book because I've read (laughs) so many YA books. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, maybe a 14-year-old will find this. Mm-hmm. super original yeah so i try to be a little more forgiving on my rating system compared to i feel like i'm the opposite honestly i i'm not rude with it you know like i don't like give ones and twos but most books i read i'm like yeah it's a three that's an average that's average three four stars you know most things i read are average it's very rarely that i'm like this is a five star book yeah i think i rate them to like recommend them to like actual children in front of me mm-hmm. so i want to be like yeah this was Good, you know, like it has to be really bad for me mm-hmm. to be like, I'm not giving this to you. It's awful. <laughs> like, yeah, I think that's different recommending something because at that point you're more thinking about their tastes yeah. and not so much yours. Like you said, you've read a huge amount of YA books at this point. So, yeah, like I'm never like, wow, shocker. Like, <laughs> what a third act twist. It's almost like, oh, yeah, okay, this, I've seen this before. But, yeah. you know. Uh, but that's fine because, I mean, I think we were talking about, you know, the retellings and how many different stories are retellings. Yeah. So yeah. we'll have that later. But I did the same thing. Most books I started like a three-star rating. And I'm like, this was a pleasant, you know, couple hours of my time. Mm-hmm. And then if it, I really connect to a character, then I'll be like, it was pretty good. Unless there were some things that made me upset, I'd probably just give it a five. I think for me to like dip down to like one or two territory though, you have to really, you have to really make a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I try to allow myself to quit books now if I'm not into it. Yes. So that way I, there was this rule I heard that your age, a uh, hundred pages minus your age. So the older you are, the less pages you have to read. Mm-mm. I can't do that. <laughs> I just suffer through And there are some books that I like, I would tell you from the beginning that I was like, this is awful. But, like, they kind of pull it together by the third act, so I'm like, okay, forgivable. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like you. I'm an unrepentant quitter. 
but I know people even more on Rogue Country Quitters. I know somebody who will quit a book like 90% of the way through. They'll be like, mm, no. And like, there's only 10% left. You might as well finish. You have to finish, you know. And like, I I have the opposite. I have the 100 page rule. If you are 100 pages or less from the end of the book, it will take you only an hour to read that much book. No matter how much it took you to read the rest of it, that last 100 pages, you can knock that out in an hour. That's true. That's true. But yeah, I don't even have 100 page. I have 50 pages. If I'm not into it by 50 pages, then the author's not doing their job or it's not for me. And I just stop reading it. We, well, we talked about some of our favorite uh, fantasy series and different worlds. So now we can bring, bring back in this series. Is there any fantasy world that you would love to visit? I think, well, you said Trust the Emerald too. I'm like, oh, that sounds really cool. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't want <laughs> things to become spiky and explode at me. So. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Most of the fantasy worlds are like, you think about just living there as a person, you're like, no, that'd be awful. Like, if, unless you were the main yeah. character, you're not having, like, a good time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess maybe, like, everyone wants to be a hobbit. Yeah. That's, that's probably, that's probably, like, the only place you feel like you can live safely. You eat a lot of food, you party a bunch, you just have a good time. Look. In what era, though? Because, uh, yeah. <laughs> After the villain was defeated. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. But then you can pretty much go any time earlier. They are really just chilling almost the entirety of the yeah. history of Middle Earth. Like the hop- a handful of blips, but mainly. I mean, they're having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I guess I could live in the in the Sworn series mm-hmm. after the first trilogy and the second trilogy because they fixed the whole like world is ending, ash falling from the sky problem, and then. <laughs> You could potentially have cool, like, superpowers where you have swallow metal and then you can, like, fly through the air. Yeah, absolutely. So That does sound like a lot of fun. I guess the uh, the children's fantasy series, Mm -hmm. The Keeper of the Lost Cities, Mm -hmm. where you live in the little magical elf realm. That sounds fun. That That seems safe. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know why, I thought... I wrote out for this answer, the Sunbearer Trials, which I did read and I did love, and but it is the other one, the second one is coming out. And because it was such like a bright and colorful world, but I'm pretty sure the average person doesn't have magical powers. <laughs> it's only those that are like demigods that actually have magical powers. So I'm like, hmm, maybe not, because like, what's the point? I want to have magical powers. Yeah, and they have like a whole Hunger Games thing going on. <laughs> so yeah, probably not. It just was really beautifully described, just like you were saying. But yeah, unless you're important sometimes in these worlds, like you're not having a good time. <laughs> yeah, just, exactly. Yeah, you're the un. That's like this, uh, the Great Library series. The whole thing mm-hmm. is, what if the Library of Alexandria didn't burn down and the library kind of controls the world? Oh, and yeah. you have like a futuristic Kindle that they can yes. send books. You, you can't have your own books. Yes. And there's a chance you'll get ripped apart by a giant monster that looks for books if you have an illegal one. So like, why would you want to be there? It would be so dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, no, I wouldn't have made it. Yeah. Smell no. books. I don't want to live in a world without the smell books. You got to go to like a Hunger Games to Harry Potter school to be allowed to work in the library that just seems awful i don't like my chances i literally skipped cardio to sleep in this yeah <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't want to do that much work to go work in a scary evil library mm-hmm. yes. so most fantasy worlds lovely to read but maybe not so great to live in yeah. <laughs> except the shire yeah, except, yeah. except the shire so we've all agreed the shire is where we'll go 
So what do you guys, I feel like a lot of fantasy books now are fantasy dystopia or fantasy more like horror compared to like high fantasy or like action adventure. Do you guys kind of think we're moving away from that as a genre? I feel like definitely really like Lord of the Rings. Now it's like you're in a pretty dress, but also you have to overthrow the government alone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? it's like, why are we also overthrowing the government? Uh, yes, in all of these books, like, plus love triangle, plus love triangle. Yeah, you have two boyfriends. The government is bad. You're in a nice dress. Go. Like, it seems to be a lot of. I feel like it's a shadow and bone. Is what we're saying. <laughs> I know. It's just like a lot of books you pick up that it looks fantasy, and then they're like, also the government's corrupt, which might be just indicative of the time we live in. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like yeah, you know, like Lord of the Rings. Sure, they want to kill the big bad guy, but everyone in the world hates him. Mm-hmm. It's not just. The main characters, everyone's like, he's bad. We got to get him. Yeah. But in books now, I feel like it's four people are like, "Mm, I think the government's corrupt. We should should rise up. Yeah, more complex. Absolutely. Yeah, I do miss the nice little smaller state stories where it's like, you know, the whole world isn't going to end, but, you know, your world will end if you don't take care of whatever this problem might be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that kind of shows why everything's a series. Like, nothing can be just done. I just need someone to go save, like, their brother or something mm-hmm. and have that just be the story. Mm-hmm. Not be, well, now we got to go get this thing to get this thing to get this thing. Absolutely. I think I oscillate between liking the... Like I said, like I love T.J. Klune, and I like love the cozy mystery. Like Legends of Mate is another one that's really simple, classic, cut and dry. But then I also love the Poppy War series, which is probably the most grimdark series <laughs> known to mankind. So I kind of like intersperse them. But I don't think that the original fifth action adventure fantasy is like dead. I just think that there are lots of other things in the mix, and that. Things might be shifting, but that doesn't mean that people still don't return to the traditional action-adventure fantasy. I feel like just dystopia just moved over and became, like, dystopia fantasy. Like, it was, like, everything was dystopian for a while, and then they were like, let's just put dresses on everyone as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the government's corrupt, but hey, you can buy pretty dresses. Yeah. And some sort of magic power. Yeah. And at least two boys. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Yeah, I've noticed too. I think TikTok has definitely helped a lot of romanticy, mm-hmm. where it's the romance and the fantasy, Sarah J. Moss, where I mean, it is giant like wars that are happening and big stakes. But I have trouble fitting in romance to my normal life. I don't know how these girls are running around being like, "Well, I got to I got to do eight other things and talk to two boys." <laughs> yes, that's why it's fantasy. <laughs> Yeah. They don't pay taxes, so they got so much more time. Romanticy definitely has been on the rise. I don't think I'm a big romanticy reader, personally. Mm-hmm. One that I would recommend, though, to people, I guess I've read The Daughter of the Moon Goddess, which oh, is a romanticy. But even then, I felt like she did do a lot of things outside of focusing on the main... I, like, I've read one that's a romanticy that's very clearly, like, just about the relationship and the fantasy world is just the backdrop. And that was Bitter Medicine I read recently. That was basically a romance book with a couple of fantasy elements. I was like, this is just a romance. Daughter of the Moon Goddess, I think, is a good mix of a romance novel and fantasy. 
I like in the Lunar Chronicles, mm. everyone gets their boyfriend, but there's no like this is like you meet the man and you're like, ah, oh, this is the person they're gonna eventually date, but there's nobody else. It's just the two leads falling in love along with whatever else is happening. Yeah. So kind of like I'm like, I don't need any other drama mm. besides the drama of two people trying to figure out if they like each other. Like mm-hmm. we don't need eight other people involved in this relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Like that stresses me out when I'm reading and it's I'm like clearly like Hunger Games. Clearly Peta because, you know, she's lived and risked her life with him. Like Gail was like the nice boyfriend you had in high school, but then he went out to the world and he came back changed and that's relationships mm-hmm. not There was a minute of fear when I was like, whose name is she about to say? Because <laughs> <laughs> like that can be like Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that it's like obviously it's Peta, but some people don't agree. <laughs> what were the other Oh, we were still, okay, yeah, we were talking about the high fantasy and everything. Mm. And we've already got into, I think, the next one, though. We were talking about the fantasy subgenres. Romanticy, I think, is a huge one. Like you said, the popularity is skyrocketed because of book talk. And um, urban fantasy, I think, is pretty standard. I don't think it's gone up or down. I, you know, we get the same amount of J.R. Ward books. <laughs> Although, People who like J.R. Ward, they come in, they get their J.R. Ward. They know what they want. I would argue, though, that that's paranormal romance, not yeah. urban fantasy. Mm. I like the urban fantasy where it's like the Dresden Chronicles yeah, was, or okay. like... Um, I was like the Dresden Files are like, I would say, yeah. yeah files, but it. definitely like urban fantasy or like Alana Andrews, mm-hmm. where it's, okay. there's, yeah, there's romances, but it's mostly like, what if you were a private detective and yes. fairies were real? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's true. And the real world didn't know about it. That's Although, true. I think that's a more apt description of urban fantasy. I feel with traditionally published urban fantasy, um, it hasn't changed a lot, but the independent published, which some of which we have on like Coupla and stuff, I feel like that is... There's, like, lots of new ones that are coming out. Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm reading is probably kind of a paranormal romance slash urban fantasy. It's actually, I think it's the one you just mentioned, Bitter Medicine. Yeah. So that definitely feels like an urban fantasy with a heavy romance subplot. Yeah. That's the, yeah, I said it's, it's mainly just a romance. Yeah. But I really liked the, I was drawn into it, actually, because of the system. I thought it was cool. Like, yeah. is that how the system actually worked in magic, but... You're right that it definitely has like an urban fantasy feeling to it, though, the way that the world is constructed. And then Grimdark. And, yeah, I'm definitely the person to talk to for Grimdark. I've read a whole bunch of Grimdark things. Uh, I don't know why. I really have to be in the mood to read it. But if you want to read something Grimdark, I absolutely would recommend The Poppy Wars by R.F. Kuang or her other book, Babel, which is a standalone. And that's also uh, pretty Grimdark. And then her most recent book wasn't a fantasy, actually. So she threw a screw in there. <laughs> Sometimes you just really want dark. Like, that's like right now I'm actually not reading a lot of fantasy. I'm reading a lot of, like, murder <laughs> books. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Sometimes you just want to go dark. You just go with, that's just the instinct. Something, something gripping and yeah. telling. Yeah. Um, another one that it's pretty grim dark, I think, would be the Lock Tomb series, which is one of those ones that you said, like, June. It's technically a sci-fi, but... There's necromancers. That's yeah. that's fantasy. That's, yeah, yeah. Kind of Dune. Like half of the plot of Dune is set up like witches kind of started a religion, which I would argue is fantasy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's the same thing. So the Lock Tomb series, it's grim dark. There's necromancers. It's just they so happen to be in space. <laughs> but like, who isn't a hero technically in space? Come on. 
So, um, yeah, I definitely would say that's another grimdark fantasy. It's that like a display. It's in space, but so are we. So this book is fantasy. Like, that's what it should say. Sci-fi that is really fantasy. No, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. For grimdark, one author I like is Mark Lawrence. Mm. He kind of moved away from the grimdark, but his first trilogy is What If This terrible, amoral, murderous 14-year-old had this redemption arc. Mm. It starts out like he's killing people, he's running this band of like murderers, you know, and he wants the kingdom that's his birthright from his father who like remarried, had a new kid, and was like getting rid of the old kid. That was pretty cool, and I liked how he gradually like realized matured, I guess. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, if you took a 14-year-old and, like, <laughs> threw them out of a palace and left them to survive on their own, they're probably going to be, like, pretty feral. <laughs> feral. <laughs> yeah. It kind of sounds like, what if, like, Kid from Ender's Game was, like, evil? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the author said he, he was, like, what if um, you took the guy from the Clockwork Orange and gave him a tragic backstory and trauma and made him really young with the reader. Like, Sympathize instead yeah, of... Yeah, say, be like, oh, yeah, he just murdered those people, but, you know, it's okay. But he's a child, so... He's a child. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, that's, yeah, if you want, if you want Grimdark. Thank you. Oh, that's a good recommendation. Did you have any Grimdarks that you liked? <laughs> no, I can't think of it. Like, I'm sure I have read some, but it's one of those, like, I read... So many books. I think I've read 98 books this year so far that sometimes they all start to bleed together. Or like if I read it like two years ago, I'll be like, yeah, I vaguely remember that. I know. I do often have to before these things bring up my log. And check yeah, I was like, like trying to look through and be like, what else did I read? Yeah. <laughs> and if I haven't read it in like the last year and a half, then it's, unless it made a big impact on yeah. me, it's gone. <laughs> Um, next question. There are some very popular retellings of stories in the fantasy genre, such as Dorothy Must Die, The Lunar Chronicles, like 500 retellings of Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> so do we enjoy these or do we prefer an original story? If it is Beauty and the Beast, I, <laughs> I will read it. <laughs> that is, it's a trick to get me to read literally anything. If you tell me it is just like Beauty and the Beast, I will be like, all right. <laughs> so if I see any reviews coming in for Beauty and the Beast, I should get it for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll be like, okay. <laughs> I think that's the most perfect romantic story. Was there a specific Ever. retelling that you like? I don't even know. Like, I've read so many. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like everything is always like, it's a retelling of Beauty and the Beast. I'm like, I'm here. I'll give it a try. <laughs> but I feel like there are some times I'm like, okay, this is just this story again, like for some things. And I'm like, I've already read this a bunch of times. If it's not Beauty and the Beast, that's how I feel about it sometimes. I'll be like, I've already read this. I don't need to read Sleeping Beauty again. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it has to be your preferred fairy tale. Well, unless they're really doing something with it. That's true. Yeah. Well, Sleeping Beauty, I think, what did it was? I think it was called Gilded by Stephanie Meyer. Did a sleep? No, no. That was a Rumblestilskin retelling. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, that one I have not read yet. I have it on my list, I think. I just, actually, it was a duology. I was like, you can finish no one. But <laughs> this could have been one book. Yeah, I read it, and I enjoyed it. It was good. It was a good read. If you like the Lunar Chronicles, I think that you would like it. Definitely good. And, yeah, that's how, generally how I feel about retellings. Generally, good. 
unless they do something very subversive with it. But it's not something I'm going to scoff or turn my nose away on. I'll read a read. Most stories are retellings anyway yeah, yeah, of some true. form or another. But sometimes they're, like, very obvious, like, because you um, literally just took this yes. and put it in over here. Like, you're like, yeah. what if they were in space? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, okay, well, then you just changed where they are. You didn't really change the story. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes they need to do a little more. Yeah, yeah. too much. Yeah. <laughs> If she doesn't end up with the beast at the end, you're going to be upset. I'll be upset. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, I like, you know, it's funny because like the Lunar Chronicles are obviously retellings of popular stories, but they're also a retelling of Sailor Moon. Mm. If you've watched Sailor Moon, yeah. you'd be like, this is also Sailor Moon, which I kind of liked that she was just like, what if I took Cinderella and Sailor Moon and smushed it into one thing? That's another way to get me. Yeah, no, I'm so happy you said that because I have watched Sailor Moon and I've read the Lunar Chronicles and I never put those two things together until you just said that. I'm like, you're right. It is Sailor Moon. It's a bunch of girls. They're all friends. Their yeah. girl friendship is the best. Mm-hmm. They have men, but they're like, they're okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Tuxedo Mask is over here just chilling. I just read, I listened to actually as an audio, um, the retelling of Aladdin, which is like my favorite Disney movie. Mm-hmm. It was The Forbidden Wish. And it was like, what if it's told from the perspective of the genie, who in this case is female and, you know, she wants to become a person, you know, and I'm not knowing who genie. And so you had Aladdin, but it was from her perspective. But I also like that Aladdin was still, like, recognizable. Sometimes when they do the retellings, if they have a different, like, point of view character, they might diminish, you know, the others. They get all the the screen time. But that, that was a good one. I, I enjoyed it. And it was recognizable as Aladdin, but different enough that, you know, I wasn't just like, I'm going to stop reading this and just watch Aladdin. Yeah. No, thank you. I wrote that down this recommendation because Aladdin was also my favorite. Oh, another author that I thought of that just the retellings is Naomi Novik, um, oh, yeah. with like Spinning Silver and what's oh, her other one? Oh, I, I read Spinning Silver. Yeah, that's the the again the Rumpelstiltskin retelling. Um, I think I have a thing for Rumpelstiltskin retelling. I'm starting to realize that. <laughs> I think it was also in middle school. I remember somebody wrote. It was a bunch of authors. They all wrote a new version of Rumpelstiltskin, and it was like a book with like six or seven different versions, and I was like, this is great. <laughs> I remember thinking like, this is fantastic. This is the best way to do this, because it is kind of a short story. You know, it's a short yeah. story, so like, there's definitely things you can expand. But if you don't want to, you can just change enough to make it like original, and yeah. still keep it like mm-hmm. 50 pages, you know? <laughs> yeah, I like when people also bring in Things that are influenced by mythology, oh, I think yeah. that's a lot of fun, too. I haven't read it, but there's the one out right now, Stone Blind, I yeah. think, about this, like a Medusa retelling from her point of view, and I've heard great things about it. It has stellar reviews, or so like, it's on my list. You know what I, I thought of, who I think of was that Lore Olympus, which is like amazing and it's just basically retellings of the stories but they're in a city environment and a little more modern looking yeah absolutely so i think that uh as long as the author knows what they're doing with the material i think it's absolutely fine to do a retelling i mean also maybe now like i just feel like they just put it in the blurb because they're like people know what this you know and they want people to read it they're just like you know it's snow white you know what Snow White is. Yeah. You'll know if you want to read this. Yeah, exactly. It's Snow White meets, you know, Sailor Moon. Tron. <laughs> you know. Tron. Yeah, or like, yeah, that, that, that sounds amazing, actually, how to describe that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Two very different things, but go for it. We'll figure that out. Yeah. On a computer. 
There was, I think, that Miss Rule, I think, was like the Staphic Sleeping Beauty one that yeah. came out recently. That was another one that was pretty popular. We are down with the retellings. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess I'll be the next question. Um, with the popularity of the Game of Thrones, fantasy TV shows have exploded. What is our favorite or most recent favorite fantasy TV show? This is another hard one because I feel like I watch a lot of not fantasy TV. You know, like I feel like I read a lot of fantasy or I'll watch a lot of fantasy movies, mm-hmm. but I don't watch as much TV for that. Mm-hmm. Like the last thing I remember is, oh, what's it called? It's that one on Netflix, that Chinese one that everyone watched like over the pandemic. I will come back. I'm going to think of it at time. Oh, um, the one that was based off of the light novel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I watched most of that. I, just, I don't know why I stopped halfway through. And that's, see, here's my horrible thing with TV shows is that I stopped halfway through, but not with the books, like not because I don't like them, just because like I would get busy with other things or start to get into a new TV show. And I'm like, I never finished that. Why did I never finish it? Yeah. I um, do that. Or if I'm binge watching, I get a little tired, and then I'm like, I need to take a break, and then like I never come back. The Untamed. Yes. There we go. That's mm-hmm. what it was called. You know what? It's funny because like I feel like there was so much of that show, and I was kind of like, eh, but the last six episodes went nuts. So you really need to finish. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so much is happening after yeah. not that much was happening. Yeah. If you like a ridiculous sea drama, I also recommend on Netflix is uh, Love Tree Fairy and Devil. Uh, it tells you exactly what it is right in the title. So well, that sounds good, yeah. Just like a retelling, but it's like fun and trophy and it's cute. One I wrote down was The Shadow and Bone. I watched the first season. The second season is out. I've watched a couple of episodes of the second season. I'm not finished with it yet, but I enjoyed it. I think they did a really good job with the casting. I think the crew was a lot of fun. And I watched the remake of His Dark Materials that I think was on Amazon Prime with Lin-Manuel Miranda. I thought on my list because yeah. I, I recently got HBO Max, so mm-hmm. I have not been able to watch it yet. It's on HBO. I thought it was on Amazon. Did they move it? I'm pretty sure it's a Max. I think it's an HBO show. You might be able to watch it through Amazon. Okay. You can watch everything through Amazon. <laughs> this is like a plug for Amazon. <laughs> yeah. No, this is not what we're trying to do. Um, do we have it in DVD? We do. I'm pretty sure we have the DVD. I just, yeah, because I, so I was like, we don't have Amazon. Well, I rent it from the library. Yeah, we definitely try our endeavor to get as many of these as we can available on DVD. Some streaming shows are not printed DVD, but we try to get whatever we can. Yeah, so I enjoyed The Shadow and Bone, which is based off the book. It's a mix between The Shadow and Bone series and the Six of Crows series, which is actually the one that I read. That's a fun one. And then His Dark Materials, that's based off the the Golden Compass um, and like series, which is uh, fantastic. How about you, Hope? Uh, so I also was watching Shadow and Bone and enjoying mm-hmm. it. I read the trilogy and I thought they did a pretty good job translating and like smushing the two storylines together. Mm-hmm. I think I'm probably at the same point you are. I'm only like two episodes into the second season, um, but you know it, it's fun. I enjoyed it. Um, another one, it's a <laughs> an older one now because it came out ten years ago. But the the Once Upon a Time series, mm-hmm. I've been watching that with my mom, and she's not into watching TV. But she really enjoys it because it's yeah, retelling, like we're talking about retellings, like what if all the fairy tale characters were in this little town in Maine and, you know, they had to keep fighting Rumpelstiltskin, who gets better, and then he has plots again, and the evil queen. So that's, that's a good series. And uh, we have the later seasons and some of like, the book, there were like some tie-in books. So people. That's another that. one I forgot I have in my queue. <laughs> 
But I remember. I forgot. I watched The Witcher. I love The Witcher. Oh, I forgot yeah. about The Witcher. Because I only saw the first two episodes, and it was so confusing because they didn't make it clear that no, it's, it's different timelines. At first. Yeah, yeah. I like it. It's nothing like the books, which I mean, feel like in a way that people like don't like it because of that. Um. But I'm just like, because eh. also I played The Witcher three, which mm-hmm. is like a kind of a spinoff of the books, and I really enjoyed that. So I'm just like, whatever. This shows its own thing. Like, yeah, we don't got time to be like. <laughs> I like the show a lot. I, I haven't read the books, so so I like only played the game. Looking at Henry Cavill with his <laughs> long hair, long white hair, long white hair, just looking ripped, walking around <laughs> with a big sword. Like I don't know, it's a good time. I think he's more attractive as Geralt than he is as Superman. That's my hot take on this podcast. Yeah, no, Witcher is full of lots of beautiful people. Yes, but I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I got the Witcher. Yeah, and I read the books. The books were so confusing. I never needed a map. I never, I'm a bad fantasy reader because I never look at the maps. I'm not interested in the maps. But I needed the map, and there was no map. I mean, you could probably just use the map from, like, the video game to at least give you some idea Uh, of where things are. I didn't think of that. I just thought of, like, fantasy Poland, you know, kind of like World War II era with, like, evil... Well, once once they, once they unlock their like once people get their warp ability in that book, you're just like, where are you? Because they can just go from what you know they're all over the place in the book. Once they can like, I forgot that. It, like once you teleport, she kind of was just like, where is she? And then the portals, everyone just fast travels technically. Location so is irrelevant. So yeah, they just you just walk through a portal and you're somewhere else. So it's fine. Yeah. So the politics of this the series I could not follow. Mm. But I was like, I like The Witcher, and he's he's a good example of. He's not looking to throw over any kingdom. At least he was in the books. No, that's my favorite. That's my favorite kind of joke in The Witcher. Every time he wanders into a room and everyone's just like, ah, you must be for or against our plot. And he's like, I don't really care. And they're like, no, you must. And he's like, I just live here, whatever. Yeah. Like, it's so relatable. It's like, no, you have to have an opinion. And he's like, nah. Yeah. I'm like, Geralt, I respect you. I do respect that too. I have not seen it, but I would be remiss to not mention a very popular, another one that's been turned into a TV show, but it's still a very popular book series, which is the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan and finished by Brandon Sanderson. That is a TV series, but I'm not sure on what network, but it is also Did very popular. Did anyone watch that Lord of the Rings show? I never got it. I never got it. I watched the first couple of episodes. I did. I didn't finish it though. Okay. Yeah. I, I kept being like, <sighs> I just wanted young Aragon doing his ranger thing. That's yeah. all I wanted. <laughs> and when it wasn't that, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to. I'll get around to it eventually. Yeah, it's the Galadriel story. Um, so, like, based on, like, some of the events, I think, in the Similarian. But. I feel like when you really like fantasy, it's almost harder to get into the show because if it's wrong, you're just like, no. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I think what is important to me when something is adapted to a show as long as I don't care about the plot points being exactly right, as long as they get the spirit of the characters right. Mm-hmm. What's important is that the characters act like the characters that I know, you mm-hmm. know, and they don't do things that I feel like they wouldn't do that. I think that's why I liked the Shadow and Bone, because most of the time the characters are acting, even if they did things that weren't in the plot, I was like, but I could see them doing that. I read that book when it first came out, and I remember liking it, but I also remember nothing about it. So mm-hmm. I kept being like, I guess I should watch the show, but I have, like, no memory mm-hmm. of the book at this yeah. point. I read 
it back yeah, when it came out, and then I thought I was rereading it, and I was like, this is a standard, you know. I feel like when I see it, all of a sudden, I was like, wait, what? Is that really illegal? I thought I read the second one. I was like, I don't remember what happened in the first one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, thank goodness sometimes there's websites that, like, oh, yeah. recap the first book for me, because I'm like, I don't remember this at all. Especially if you put a big gap between your books. Mm-hmm. I could have read 100 books in between, and I'm like, yeah. I don't. What happened? Who knows? I know. I think I, years ago, I think I read through like most of the Shannara series, Ooh, but I, series. I could not tell you what happens in it. I couldn't. I read, I think like 20 of the books. Like, you know, <laughs> like I read so many of them and I like literally cannot remember what happened. Maybe that's what helps the retellings out. You're yeah. like, I know what happens in Beauty and the Beast. So mm-hmm. you're like, I can follow some of this yeah, plot exactly. if we go off into like a well, week. It's like a, one of those big, like, multi-generational mm. tales, though. So, you know, you kind of lose track of who's related to who across these thousands of years. It's like Game of Thrones, and everyone had, some people had kind of similar names. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense within the world, but it's awful to do to your audience. Yeah. Because you're like, wait, which guy is this? <laughs> like, yeah, have you ever seen that joke online when you're reading a fantasy book and you're like, and then he t- spoke to... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah, like, none of the names are... Yeah, you don't yes. remember any of them. Yeah, like, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love books with pronunciation guides. Yes. Or listen to the audiobook. Yeah, yeah. yeah the audiobook really helps, I feel like. Sometimes I'm like, I would have never said that character's <laughs> name. Mm-hmm. Or, but then again, sometimes they don't help. Mm-hmm. Because I did listen to a lot of The Witcher's audiobook. And if you've only seen the show, Yasker's name is, that's his name in Polish, but in, when they did the books in English, they changed it to Dandelion to try to, like, <laughs> because Yasker means buttercup yes. in Polish, okay. so they wanted to be like, well, let's, but they didn't want to, so for some reason, instead of just being, let's just keep it Yasker, and yeah. being like, the audience will just yeah. accept and print this name, mm-hmm. they yeah, changed it to Dandelion, which, I mean, I get the same vibe. Mm-hmm. But the way the guy in the audiobook pronounces it, he puts the emphasis on the first syllable, so it's Dandelion. Oh. And he pronounces it that way for, I swear, like three of the books. And I'm just like, just say Dandelion, bro. Because, <laughs> like, the video game went with Dandelion, and they just say Dandelion. Yeah, but and that's the whole reason why it was changed. That's not that it was, like, yeah. You know, they were just like, we'll just change it to be, like, Americans will understand that this is a... A stage name, but mm-hmm. like the idea, it's like a flower. But we'll go with more. Yeah, it's just yeah. so weird that they were just keep things as is. You can put a description like, in the back, put a footnote. We would have understood know? the name. Yeah, yeah. Like, accepted. We're used to unpronounceable names. Well, because yeah. also, you know, like they're like Geralt's horse is named after a fish. Like it's Roach. Like that's it's named after like. A fish. A, it's a fish. Like, I thought it was like a, a, a bug. No, <laughs> it's a fish. But it's like I think a fish and. Like, they just left that the same, so I'm like, I don't understand why we couldn't just leave them anyway. Well, if you're looking for a book with context and tons of footnotes, Babel by Arfwong does that word. Like, they constantly put footnotes explaining things. I love a good footnote. Um, (laughs) I'm the opposite. (laughs) Yeah, it can be, but I think it goes with the whole vibe of the story, though, because the whole story is about, like, Oxford and academia and everything, so Mm -hmm. it makes sense to have, like, a whole bunch of, like, footnotes explaining things and the footnotes I think are a part of the story the way that they are kind of in this different voice I don't know it's, have, it's good have I you guys read any um of the Thursday Next series 
by uh, Jasper Ford. It's a series in an alternate present where the dodo is not extinct, and I think Neanderthals are around or something. <laughs> anyway, this girl Thursday next figures out she can read herself into books. The first book's called The Air Affair, because in her universe, Jane Eyre ends very differently, and she reads herself in and then, like, changes the ending to the canon ending of Jane Eyre. But as that goes on, she ends up meeting more people who, like, live in the books who, like, preserve stories, and they speak to her through footnotes. So every so often, she'll be, like, in the real world, and she'll be like, hey, then you have to go to the bottom, and they'll be like, Thursday, can you hear us? And, like, they're, like, talking to her. Oh, my gosh. Stop. That's so funny. I love that. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> I like a good stylistic change. Yeah. That's an example of good footnotes. <laughs> I read uh, only the first book. It was a YA trilogy by Shelley Thomas. The Burning Sky, maybe? And it was all these footnotes that I just skipped over. Because I'm like, why do I need to read these footnotes? So I'm reading along, and there's a little footnote, and then I just flip to the back, and I'm like, I'm not doing that. Those are end notes. Uh, yeah. Footnotes to be in the foot. Do you know what's the worst when you have an audiobook and you can tell there's footnotes, um, and they don't read them? Mm. And I'm like, just read me the footnotes. I know it would make this book so much longer, but what? Don't I can tell they're here. Like, you're skipping them. Just yeah. read me the footnotes. Although, I was reading as an ebook, so maybe that's why they weren't. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they do so, do that. And I don't feel like they added anything. Yeah. So I was like, why are these here? Yeah. It, it just annoyed me. I, yeah, footnotes should add something. Otherwise, they shouldn't be there. So, well, we were talking about TV shows and everything like that before, and this one question, how do you feel about remaking fantasy movies, like, I know that they have, like, Aragorn, Narnia, and the like, into, like, a TV show? Because I think that back in the day, they were making everything into movies, and I think now, like, they're making everything (laughs) into TV shows. It's a toss-up, because in some ways it is better to make some of these stories have time to breathe instead of just being like it's two and a half hours and I will put in what we can mm-hmm. I mean in some cases like uh, Percy Jackson I can't wait for that to be a TV show because the movies were awful yeah Aragon ones too. Yes. Aragon was 90 minutes, and I'm like, the book is 700 pages. All I remember of that movie is there was the one cute guy at one point in leather pants. And oh, I, as a, And as a younger girl, I remember being like, all right. Carol's husband. Yes. But I don't remember any. And then uh, one of that one singer, Josh Stone, was in the movie at one point as like a psychic or something. And I was like, what is she doing here? But nothing <laughs> else. Like, Yeah, I don't remember it at all. But I agree with you in the giving it time to breathe and everything at the same point. I do wish that we would start moving away from some of the older IPs that have been like done to death, even though I love them, even though like I love Lord of the Rings, but there are yeah. so many new wonderful stories. I want to like, they talked about like remaking, like making new, I think Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. And I'm like, you can't remake perfection. <laughs> like, also, I get it if half the cast of Lord of the Rings had died in a plane crash, and they were like, oh, we miss all these people. Let's make a new movie. But I don't know. It, it wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. No. <clears throat> 20 years. I mean, but, not, but still not that long. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 20. But then the Hobbit movies came out and kept that going. I feel like yeah. it extended the life Ten of years. Lord of the Rings. But they're just like, what are you going to do that you didn't already do in the first movie? Yeah, that's like, what they do. Young Aragon doing his ranger thing. Mm-hmm. I would watch that. Yeah. But yeah, I would just love to see some, like, any of N.K. Jemison's works. Like, why don't you turn that into a film? I sure that. But that'd be great. Um, I think some of these that I listed, I think that I read uh, Gilded Ones, which was the, the YA 
duology. I think that one's actually been signed by Netflix. A lot of things have been signed. The worst is when you've heard that they're mm-hmm. like in production and then you never hear. Mm-hmm. Like okay. I don't like yeah. I have the Forbidden Game series, mm-hmm. which was by the woman who did Vampire Diaries. Yes. LJ Smith. Mm-hmm. She has like a series where it's a girl and she meets a guy at a GameStop and he's like He's like evil and he traps her in an evil board game. She <laughs> loves her and she's a boyfriend and her friends get trapped. That's been like, and but maybe I'll make it a TV show or a movie for us for like 15 years. Yeah. And I'm just like, make it. Just do it. Like, where is it? Yeah. I know. You hear they've been auctioned and then they're like just sitting. You know, like, <laughs> I read an adult fiction book that on the cover had a like soon to be a movie, like a show from Hulu. And I was like, was it? Like, <laughs> yeah. Usually by the time they put the sticker on it, it is that's finalized. But a lot of times they'll be like, oh, they'll say that it's going to be coming to film because it's been like somebody licensed the rights to mm-hmm. a name to a film, but then they wind up dropping it, which should be very disappointing. Yeah, I think it was the Children of Shadow and Bone. I think that was optioned or something. Like when mm-hmm. it came out, they were like, oh, and it's also going to be a movie. And then it's like, I think they kind of just option everything yes. now right away in the off chance <laughs> it becomes a like, hit with the youth mm-hmm. <laughs> to make some money. They're looking for the next well, like Once the Hunger Games made a bajillion dollars, I mean, I'm going to see that new movie. I liked that new book, but that's beside the point. Like, I'm like, I'm part of the problem. <laughs> I'm giving them money. So that's why they just remake because it's a guarantee, they think. I mean, and be proven right because we're like, Yes, we love the original Lord of the Rings, but then we still go and we still watch. You know, yeah, no, yeah, I have like, see? I know, you're, sure. you're right. I have a ticket to see The New Little Mermaid tonight, so I'm just really, like, well, prov- I mean, yeah, proving, proving, <laughs> proving to Disney that people, like, I will see it again. Yeah. But I don't think I'd watch a new Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I'm like, no, I already own the extended editions, which mm-hmm. are the preferred way to watch them. Yes, exactly. So, no. <laughs> I confess, I did not watch the extended edition. <laughs> I, you know what? If there's a snow day here, I'm at home probably watching all of the Lord of the Rings in a row. And how would you know to pause it and explain what happens to Aragorn's toe? Yeah. <laughs> 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 <And> he, bro- <laughs> he broke his toe in this scene again. Well, and also my DVDs are so old. They're two discs. Like, yeah. I have to take the disc out and put it in the second disc to continue the movie. Oh, no. That's the same thing. And I was like, yeah, I got the big pack that has the six hours. Of, like, mm-hmm. the, the behind the scenes. Behind like, the scenes. It's twice yeah. as long as the movie. Mm-hmm. And I will also watch that. Yeah. I know. Yeah. We should watch it together sometimes. Yeah. It's the same thing. <laughs> I know. But, yes, we, we love all of these old IPs, but I think there are so many new ones that they can expand on. I do, but I don't have anything against the TV show format because... Like, if they made a movie of House of the Cerulean Sea, yeah. I'd watch that so fast. I see, actually, I really loved it as a literary form. There are some things that I'm like, I don't know if that really needs to... So there are some things that I think would be a great movie and some things that I don't. You know what else I liked about that one? I feel like it was, um, I don't know if any of you guys ever listened to Welcome to Night Vale. Yes. I feel like if you were like, I really want to get into Night Vale, it's long, but it's long, but I really want that like LGBT like mm-hmm. relationship. Just read Cerulean Sea. Mm-hmm. It's like a shorter. Yeah. And it has similar vibes. You similar vibes and you don't have 500 hours to listen to a podcast. I'd be like, read this yeah. book instead. You can like kind of yeah. scratch that itch. Night Vale has a bit more horror. In it, I think, than existential horror and everything like that. That's really insane, which has none of that and just a lot of comfy cozy. Yeah, but I mean, I just feel like if you wanted the relationship of Night Vale, but you didn't want to get into all the like other stuff, you're like, just go read some really insane. <laughs> like, 
that one just cover your yeah the grumpy run and the sunshine one dynamic yeah. everyone loves that <laughs> But yeah, there's some things that I've read. I'm like, this would do, like I, I mentioned the Gilded ones because they read almost like, I was like, no, this would do really good as a TV show. Like I can see these, a lot of action scenes, a lot of like moving around places and things like that. Versus when you're reading something and then like it has more internal things, more like slow moments. So you're like, maybe this one would be so good as a visual medium. Like the original Dune movie where they gave everyone's voiceovers and <laughs> gave them actually voiceovers. Yeah. Yes. And everyone whispers. It wasn't bad, but it's not it bad. Good. But it is a very strange. David Lynch is—he's on another planet. I love him so much. <laughs> what a good decision. But I, I watched that movie during pandemic, and I was like, "Yes, it hit all the main points." But I'm like, I don't know. The book was better. Well, that's like the new Dune movie. It ended, and my friend hadn't read Dune, and I was like, "So that was the first half of Dune." Yeah. And she was like. Okay, I'm like, that's pretty much what happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they had more, more room. Yeah. Um, that actually reminds me, though, something that was very popular that was turned into a TV show that I, I didn't watch. It, that was the children's series, The School of Good and Evil. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I read all those, but I did not watch that movie yet. Yeah, it was, turned, it was trending for a while, I think. So I don't know if they're, I mean, I like, it's an interesting series. I do give it to a lot of children. Yeah. So, like, be like, go read this. Go like this. It is an extremely large book, so I was wondering, I have to watch it to see how much they actually got mm-hmm. into the movie, because that's another book that's 500 pages for children. Yeah. <laughs> but it likes the uh, Keep in Lost City. Like, yes. kids will, the kids, book they like, they will be bad books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, sometimes I, I feel bad they'll come in and I'm like, you can't carry all of these. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, watch me. <laughs> They want to check out, like, candy three, four, five, and six. I'm like, how about you get it back? <laughs> What's mildly annoying about those that series is the audiobooks are audible only. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, because I'm like, we all listen to it. And I always forget. And I'm like, no, I'm going to use Olivia Hoopla. I'm not yeah. <laughs> using our life. Unfortunately, yes, the titles are audible locked. But once they become on audible locked, we'll definitely be adding them to, to Olivia Hoopla if we can. <laughs> you can read the ebooks though, on Libby. Yes. <laughs> if you are on the go, they are there. And Percy Jackson, all the audiobooks are on the Vian Hoopla as well. And that's a popular You got time to read them before the show comes out. <laughs> yes, yes. So please. And the new one, The Sun and the Star. Yeah, I have that in my house. have not started it yet. I haven't read it yet either, but it's supposed to be great. So I'm going to free recommend it. <laughs> I'm very excited for that one. Yes. Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit our website, theoceancountylibrary.org slash teen slash fanation for a listing of all events happening this year. All titles mentioned in today's episode can be accessed free with your library card, whether that's physically or through our digital platforms. Until next time, have a fantastic day.